Welcome to Happily Ever After is Real, interviews and conversations with women, created to share wisdom, strength, joy, and inspiration for finding true love in a busy and constantly changing world. I'm Tricia Bennett. On behalf of myself and all of our guests, welcome and enjoy. So I'd like to begin by welcoming my guest host, Nancy Hunt, and our guest for today's episode is Melissa Lyons. Melissa is a wife in her third decade of marriage, a mother of two grown daughters. Welcome, Melissa. So tell us how you met your husband and how you knew he was the guy for you. (laughs) Well, it's kind of a funny story. I was in first year on university and he was one of the first people I, I met or saw. And I remember saying to some, one of the other girls, that I said, I'm going to marry him one day. And she said, no, I am. <laughs> We're just joking. <laughs> there was absolutely no seriousness to it at all. But that is one of the things I said about him. Mm. And, um, yeah, he, he ended up living in the room right next to me in residence, if you can believe it. <laughs> so that, that's how we met, by, by living in the same floor in, in, in co-ed res. Mm. And how did you know that he was the one? How did you start dating? How did you, what was it about him that let you know that he was the kind of man that you wanted to marry? Well, you know, we were friends first. And um, we were friends for, for a few months before anything romantic came to be. And I think I just liked him as a person. He he talked about his family. He talked about the life he came from, and I really got to know who he was and, and where he came from, and I really liked that. Uh, he had, has and had a great deal of compassion. Uh, he has an older sister who is mentally handicapped and um, mm-hmm. was raised by just a single mom, and so he, he had different experiences to most people that I, I knew, and I found that that really made him an interesting and kind-hearted person. Hmm. Had you dated a lot of other men before you dated him? Actually, no. I was only 19. <laughs> I had had a boyfriend for four years through high school. So though I went out with, a, you know, a handful of people, I really only had one boyfriend mm-hmm. throughout my teenage years from 14 till 18. And uh, then I, I went abroad for school for a semester and came back and was single. So when I went to school, I was pretty determined to not meet anybody and, and spend some time on my own. Uh, but that didn't happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, Surprise. we joke about it. I know, right? And it's like, it's certainly not a regret because I don't have any regrets. But we, I often wish I would have met him a few years later if I could have everything be exactly as it is today. But I wouldn't change one thing because mm. we wouldn't be here in this moment, right? Right. But yeah, so I didn't have a lot of time on my own. Mm-hmm. And how long did you date before you were married? Huh, we did, in 1986 to 1991, so for five years we dated. Yeah, and we lived in separate cities too. We met in, um, in Ottawa in Canada, and that's almost eight to, it's eight to ten hours from Windsor, which is where he's from, and I was from the Toronto area, north of Toronto, and it was a good four hours from there. So, you know, we would spend time together when we were in school, but when we had the summers off and we were working, we were apart by at least four hours. Mm-hmm. 
And I should mention, too, you know, he's older. He's three and a half years older. So I was first year, and he was doing his master's when we met, too. So we also had that age gap, which I think really I think it helped us. Yeah. He was a little bit more mature than other men that would have been your age at the time. Yeah, and definitely he was. And in fact, he finished school, and then I got to still stay in school for a few more years when he was done. So we, we had that time alone, even though we were together. And I think yeah. that that's really, it was really important to me. Yeah. Well, I think too many people rush into things, and they don't take the time to really get to know someone. And so the fact that you were that far apart and you had that many years to really get to know each other, you were gathering a lot of information during that time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and the fact that we both we did what we wanted to do. You know, I mm-hmm. see, I, even in my children sometimes I see, or I have seen moments where they forget who they are and they just be who they think they're supposed to be with that person and, it's a slippery slope, or it can be. Yeah, that's such a great point. Yeah. So when you were dating, did you have women in your life, girlfriends, relatives, anyone who was sort of supporting you or guiding you through the process? I would say I figured it out on my own, but that at the same time, I always have had really close girlfriends, and I still do to this day. I think mm-hmm. it's so important. My best friend from grade three was my maid of honor, and she's still in my life today, and we live six hours apart. Um, And I have other wonderful, wonderful friends. So definitely the support has been there. But the journey with my husband, I I don't think that I really leaned on a lot of people. It's more like between the two of us, I think. Mm -hmm. So for women who are single, who are wanting to be in a committed relationship... What are the gifts of your marriage, and what would you like them to have that they don't have right now? That's a tough one because I didn't spend very many years of my life single. And Mm. the other thing is I don't know what would make someone else feel whole or complete. Mm. But the thing that comes to my mind when you ask that question is, you know when you're on the airplane and they drop those oxygen masks and they say, like, put yours on first and be selfish (laughs) because then you can help someone else? Yeah, I'd say that until you are so comfortable and love who you are to the best of your ability, which is an ongoing journey, once you've got that, you kind of attract the rest of it to you, like to yourself. And so I guess I would want, not even just for single women, for married women and people all around, is to actually have that sense of who you are so deep in your core that you're okay with or without someone. Mm-hmm. And it's a journey. I mean, I can't say that I've always been there. And as I think about my marriage, how it's been, like, even, you know, every, every 10 years, it's like we're to- two completely different people. Mm-hmm. There's no way you can compare dating to first decade, second decade, and now we're in the third decade of, of our time together. And it's like, it changes. It changes. But if you don't, the only constant you have is your relationship with yourself. Yeah. And to be so sure of yourself that it's okay if the other person changes as you grow together yeah well because it has to be because of course you're going to change so you know they're going to change and sometimes you're not on that same path and you have to redirect and, and come back together and 
like I said, the only thing you can really depend on is that conversation you have with yourself because that's the only thing you really get to control. Everything else outside of it, and when you add kids to it, like then it becomes, <laughs> you know, another whole whole thing. Right. Well, that's right. a hot mess, right? <laughs> Is there Nancy usually asks a question of parents of moms when we do these interviews. Is there anything that you want to say about parenting and your and your husband's parenting styles? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I wouldn't say our styles really were very compatible. Yeah, <laughs> they weren't. As a as a little as a compact unit of four, we love our time together, but it's very tumultuous at times. And, and yeah, and Terry and I don't always see eye to eye. Like we rarely see eye to eye, honestly, when it comes to how we deal with them, because we came from such different worlds. And maybe it's a male female thing, but I don't think it's that. I think it's more about where we came from and how we were molded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and how do you deal with the differences? Like, understandably, you know, you come from different areas and it's caused conflict. But how does how do you work with him to parent successfully? It's trial and error. It's it's <laughs> just really trying to find that common space. And now that our kids are adults, uh, we talk about it even all together about the times where they wish life would have been like this or life would have been like that. And we look at them and say, well, at that moment, this is what we had to give you. And so I think it's just looking at the reality of if we try to, to look back and dissect and wonder what we could have done better, it's already too late. It's just like we did what we did, so now let's deal with what we've got. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because as a parent, I always tell my children we're the perfect parents for them and we make the perfect mistakes for them. And we all grow yeah. together. It's a journey we're all on and on the other side to be able to reflect back. It's great. Now, the other thing, and I don't know if you necessarily have an answer for this, but when you were talking about the dynamics of an evolving relationship and how each decade you're a different person and your control is in yourself. But do you have any wisdom on how marriages work together to evolve? And like you pointed out, and sometimes when you go, you might be going in different directions. Is there something that was uniquely helpful for you in, in, in that part of your life? I'd say one of the hardest points that we ever faced together where we were really trying to decide, like, should we stay or should we go? Because that does happen um, in a marriage, especially this long. We both really we dove deeply into ourselves and we read a lot of books, like, you know, The Four Agreements and, and, and some, like, all kinds of books like that where we really had to decide who we were in ourselves and then how that fit with us together. Mm-hmm. And I wonder often, you know, I, I have lots of friends who one of them is working on themselves and one of them isn't. And it's pretty hard to keep going on that same course if, if you're not going in the same direction. So I think just mm-hmm. pulling back and kind of making sure we're heading to the same point of what we wanted to do and accomplish in our lives, which is about how we want to impact the world around us. And we both have the same idea about that. Like we both want to serve. And so I think having a commonality like that is the most important part. But you forget what that is, and so you have to go back and figure out what it was that, that you really liked about each other in the beginning and 
hold you together from that? Because you lose that along the way, with or without yeah. children. Yeah, and see if it's mm-hmm. still there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or it might still be there, but it might not resonate the same way. Yeah. It's so great. Mm-hmm. And the thing that you said about, like, the, that you read some books and one of them was The Four Agreements is that, to me, that means you have to have a willing partner. Like you said about maybe it was another couple that you mentioned where one person is willing to grow and the other person really isn't. And you and your husband were both willing to look and to do a little studying and reading and thinking about. You both made a conscious decision to continue together and to grow together, which doesn't always happen. It's true. And, and the timing, it, and it might happen, but the timing might be two years apart. Like she might be ready at year 18 and he's not ready to year 20. And what do you do in those two years? Because someone, like maybe you're going to get there. And it's like, how, how do you bridge that gap between that? that I don't want, I mean, the word maturity comes to mind, but that's not what I mean. I mean, that, that point where you're ready to evolve. Yeah. And one yeah. might evolve a bit faster. And so it's having that, the patience or the faith. And so, like, it goes down to, like, so what are you really getting out of your relationship? And if you can get enough out of yourself and you're in a good space and everything around you is okay, then you've got to stick it out as long as you can find all those good reasons. Yeah. Because it might just change, right? I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, I have, like, one story I'd love to share with you. And I said it to my kids recently. Not very long ago, I was dri- we were driving home in separate cars, and it was cold. And my husband, like, he doesn't really love this story, but I actually do because he doesn't remember it the way I did, which is always the case, right? <laughs> and it was cold, and, and, I, need, and I, I needed gas. And he, I, he said, okay, well, I'll see you at home. And I thought to myself, boy, I wish he would just say, let me go get gas for you, or, or I'll follow you, and I'll pump the gas. And it kind of frustrated me because I've got other friends whose husbands go out there and they, they get the car ready and they do all that stuff. And I do all that on my own, a lot of those things on my own. And then it kind of, I sat with that for a few days. And then something happened and I had to say to him, oh, I had this opportunity to go to Arizona for three, three um, or I don't know, it, was, it wasn't three weeks, but it was more than a week. It was a long time. And I said to him, I want to go and this is what I want to do there. And he said, okay. And I thought, okay. So you know what? You can get caught up on someone didn't pump gas for you or it doesn't take care of you that way, but then has that complete trust in, and behind everything you want to do to grow yourself spiritually. And it's like I think so often in, in relationships we forget about the, the overriding thing that keeps us alive as a person, mm. and that's what you want that person to support and not get caught in those silly little things that don't even really matter. And to me, the way that those two things connect is, of course, you can go to Arizona because you're independent and strong and pumping gas is nothing. You know, it's like if you can go to Arizona and and I get that it's also something that would be nice if he did it. But You're you're right. And that was my aha moment. It was like all these things that have kind of annoyed me over the years, which – and he does pump gas for me all the time, right? Like, or, it's, yeah. or I'll pump gas. Like, it's like, it's not, it's, it's, that's, that, that's that give and take. But it was that realization that on the deepest level of all, I can go anywhere in the world for as long as I want. And he doesn't even say, like, why are you going? He says, okay. Because yeah. he just already knows that if I'm going, it's because it's what I need to do or want to do or have to do. 
And yeah. so, but those are the things that I don't even think we, we, we do take for granted, or at least I did. But I mean, I know so many people whose husbands probably wouldn't support that on that same level. And I have such deep support there that I didn't recognize it as, as powerful as it actually is. Mm-hmm. Yep, it sure is. Um, in terms of women who are still interested in finding a partner, what is your best advice for keeping their dreams alive? And what are the, what's their homework? I think the most important thing, the best partner in the world we have is ourselves. And whatever, however we treat ourselves, however we talk to ourselves, however we see ourselves is what we're going to attract. So the people on the outside see what we see and we become what we see. So be really focused on being kind and good and loving yourself and then that's what the world will see and want and be attracted to. Perfect. So is there anything else about your marriage that you'd like to share? Uh, okay. The husband's going to evolve and the wife is going to evolve or both spouses will evolve in their own way. And it's like finding whatever that window is between when you both evolve to that same, to that same point and being patient and supportive of letting each person catch up. And then I guess that's the thing. It's just, it's always going to evolve. It's never going to stay the same. And you really have to understand that it's not going to evolve at your pace. It's going to evolve at at a common average between the two of you. Mm -hmm. And if you have enough of those things that are right and you have that solid passion that brought you to the beginning, the reason why you're together, then it's enough to keep going. And I think that that was the most important part in my marriage because we did hit different peaks and valleys, and we weren't always synchronized. Yeah. But thank God we had the patience and love for each other to wait to catch up. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. We were just talking about how many marriages end in divorce because people aren't patient. Yeah. They don't take the time to hit the pause button and say, I married this person for a reason. I trust myself and I trust this person and I'm going to be patient. Mm-hmm. We lose patience yeah. and quit. Yeah, and you know, to be fair, there is a time when you do need to say quit. I, mm-hmm. There's no doubt and there's no, it certainly would never be a failure in making the choice that is the right thing for your life. It's just giving it enough of the right kind of pause because hitting pause is one thing but hitting pause with a purpose is another yeah and pause with a purpose means going really deep and figuring out what you're contributing to what's not going well right because you know we all contribute more than we realize or more than many people realize There was a time after the kids, we've been empty nesters now a couple of times. We're not now because the kids come and go because um, they're still young enough to do that. But he said to me, are you okay? And I said to him, yeah, why? And he said, no, like, okay. And I just still didn't understand. He said, with us, and I still didn't get it. He said, like, just the two of us. And we looked at each other and we were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want them to go, but that fear of them going and like it's just going to be us it's like now now we're rocking <laughs> because you know there's the only thing that we really argued about and that we love so deeply is they're growing their own wings and so now we can get back to the things that brought us together in the beginning mm. nice it's great 
I'm on board with you. I'm just doing that now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's an interesting journey, that part, isn't it? It is. Mm -hmm. And it's funny. It's never about, like, wanting people around or not wanting around. It's just embracing the moment you get to have now that it's changed and seeing the beauty of it, even if it is fleeting here and there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is. Nancy's youngest just left for college in September, and just to listen to the two of you making that transition so beautifully and really enjoying it, it's so wonderful that if you really are positive and you really have a positive outlook about life, every stage of it is wonderful. It's not like, oh, gee, I have an empty nest now, how tragic. <laughs> it's, oh, right. wow, I have an empty nest. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. true. What it's I have true. to ask, Nancy, what's the game that Ed says you're going to play when the kids are all independent? He tells the kids we're going to play, where in the world are mom and dad? And they have to guess where we are. <laughs> it's, it's a fantasy, so to speak. It'll, it'll still be a few years left before we get there, but we'll work on it. <laughs> we'll practice. <laughs> We always like to say that every woman is like a fortune cookie. She has a hidden surprise inside. So what is the gift that you as a woman want to make in your community and in the world, and how does your marriage forward that? Well, that question for me, we talked, I talked to you about evolving, has been actually a huge part of my marriage. I, at one point, my husband said to me about six or seven years ago, so my mid-40s, he said to me, are you ever going to be happy with what you do? And he was just exasperated. He's just like, because everything I've done, and it's, I've had successful careers and done well with what I've done, I've never left them with a feeling of happiness or joy or pride. And it's been an ongoing battle for me as a person. Nothing has filled me with that, that sense of, Je ne sais quoi, right? Like, oh, my goodness, I feel so great about that. I've never taken the time or been able to allow myself to celebrate the successes because they haven't fulfilled me. So my surprise is that at the age of 50, I wrote a book, and I had no idea I was going to write a book. And that book, in the moment that it came from out of the blue to me, changed my life and, and the lives of people that the book and the new books are touching. And the way that my marriage what inter, is interwoven into that is that through all the different careers that I've gone through, the businesses that I've had and sold, the ups and downs of that emotional time, my husband has supported me. Not always with a smile on his face because sometimes he couldn't understand it, but yeah. always supported that journey. And to me, I don't think I could have picked a better life partner when mm-hmm. I look at my whole my life as a whole. Yeah. Will you share about your books and how they came to be? I would have loved to. <laughs> I was, uh, from, it was our 25th wedding anniversary and my 50th birthday, and we went to Thailand. And you know, it wasn't a typical Thailand adventure. It was one of the worst weather storms that they'd had, and we were sort of stranded on an island. We were in Koh Tao, or on Koh Tao. And I was mindlessly journaling one day near the end of our vacation, which, as I said, was not typical. And I lost track. Terry was scuba diving, and I looked down at my journal, and there was 
I, I reread it, and there was an actual story there, a short story, but very deep and meaningful and impactful, and it was about loss and hope and love, and it rhymed. <laughs> and when he came out of the water, he said to me, what happened? You look like something happened to you. And I said, I think I just wrote a book. And I asked him <laughs> if I could read it to him. And he rolled, he rolled his eyes and thought, here we go again. And I, I tried to read it to him, and I couldn't, I couldn't even read it. I was overcome with, like, emotion where I couldn't even get words out, just sobbing uncontrollably. And at that moment, it was probably the, one of the most pivotal moments of my life, telling him that story that I just wrote. And it's called I Will Always Love You. And um, it's about journey from loss and grief to hope and love. And it's, it's been life-changing for me, for my family, and for most people who read it. Yeah. And it's a picture book, picture book with it words. Is- but it could be for children or for adults. Correct, yeah. It's a, you know what it is? It's in this, and I didn't plan this either. All of this was sort of given to me as a gift from the universe somehow mm-hmm. through meditation, through however you want to explain it. And the reason why it's a picture book with few words is that we're in a time where people don't seem to have as much time to slow down and, and reflect, especially after a loss or a tragedy. Mm-hmm. So the pictures allow the child in all of us to get from the words what they need to go through their own healing journey when they're dealing with having to say goodbye to someone or something. So, yes, it, it does. It presents itself as a child's book, and it, it definitely is a children's book, but it appeals to the child in all of us. Yeah, I agree. I've seen it, and it's beautiful. Um, Thank you. So, and you're also in the process of publishing one for grieving over losing a pet. Yes, it's called Until We Meet Again, and it's a journey from grief and loss to hope when you lose a pet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and it's, it's very similar. It has a rhyming, a rhyming way to it, very few words, beautiful pictures, and mm-hmm. it talks about, in both cases, it talks about turning around whatever situation or perspective you have in your mind right now and looking at it from another point of view that will give you relief and allow you to feel joy again. Mm. And it challenges the idea that we're supposed to feel sad, that we're supposed to never be happy again, that we're supposed to wear black. And it Mm. says, what if they're watching us trying to live through us? And what if us showing them joy would actually make them happier? How, How would you live your life differently? And it gives people the opportunity to let go of some of that guilt that they're carrying and go back to living the life they're supposed to live. It's beautiful. So do you have a website? Where can people find your books? Yes. Uh, like everything else, it's evolving. <laughs> and uh, right now you can find the information about I Will Always Love You, at least. And it's called melissa-lyons.com. And in the days to come, you'll be able to have a preview of Until We Meet Again, because I have a video of me reading it. Uh, until it gets out in print. So people will be able to take a look at that ahead of time. Great. I hope everyone runs right to your website and gets your books because they're so beautiful. <laughs> that would be wonderful. And they're available on Amazon, so they're available to everybody no matter where they live. Anything else you want to add? I want to thank you. Thank you both for what you're doing. Um, I think it's absolutely wonderful and heartwarming. Uh, to know about your work and how you're helping people find the happiness that we all that we all long for and deserve. So thank you. Thank you. 
Bye-bye. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Well, that's it for this episode. Until next time, I'm Trisha Bennett. From all of us at Happily Ever After is Real, thank you for listening, and we wish you love.